Welcome to Indie Cider, where we go beyond the game and meet the developers behind today's indie hits. Hello and welcome to the Indie Cider Podcast, where I play indie games and then interview the developer. I'm your host, Ken Gagney, and this week I'm playing Owlboy, a pixel art 2D adventure platformer released on November 1st, 2016 for Windows. Much like that classic Sega RPG, Skies of Arcadia, or Nintendo's more recent release, Zelda Skyward Sword, Owlboy is set amongst a chain of islands that float in the sky. Most of the inhabitants have some sort of anthropomorphic animal-like abilities, and the main character is Otis, the titular Owlboy. However, Otis is a young man with a disability. He cannot speak. He is mute. So although he does gain certain friends along the way, whose various animal-like abilities will help him achieve new heights, he is challenged to connect with them when he cannot converse with them. In fact, there is a beautiful article in Killscreen about how this game represents disability. There will be a link to that in the show notes at IndieCider.net slash Owlboy. Owlboy itself has its own unique story. Development on this game began nine years ago in November of 2007. That's how long ago the developer and publisher D-Pad Studio has been working on this game. Now, usually when a game is in development for that long, it's signs of some significant issues with the development process that are usually manifested in the game itself. But not in this case. Owlboy has been released to rave reviews. It has gotten multiple perfect scores. And here's another shocker. I haven't actually played it yet. It came out for Windows only, and I don't have a Windows machine. I have Mac, Xbox 360, PS4, Wii U, iOS, tvOS, and Owlboy is not available for any of those, or even the 3DS or PlayStation Vita. And so, in IndieCider tradition, if you want to see footage of the gameplay, you can still go to my website or to my YouTube channel, but the person playing the game will be our friend Sabriel Mastin, who has been on this show twice now. I've recruited her to give us a demo of how the game works. Thanks, Sabriel. Now, there is one element of the game that I can enjoy despite not getting my hands on it, and that is the soundtrack. The soundtrack is so gorgeous. My heart just aches listening to it. It makes me want to live in the world of Owlboy, and for the brief moments that I have my headphones on, I almost feel like I'm there. And so, this week, I'm speaking not with one of the developers of the game, but with the composer, Mr. Jonathan Gear. He wrote the soundtrack and did the sound design for Owlboy. In fact, it was his music that you heard at the beginning of this podcast. If you want to hear more of his music, you can go to jonathangear, that's G-E-E-R, dot com. And, of course, you can find links to all the resources referenced in this show at IndieCider.net slash Owlboy. If you haven't been to the website lately, check it out. It underwent a great redesign recently. In fact, that is one of the reasons why this is the first episode of IndieCider in about a month and a half. I did miss a couple of air dates there while I was working on some other projects. I apologize for the absence, but it just makes me all the more appreciative of you, our faithful listeners. Thank you for sticking with us. And now, here's the interview with Mr. Jonathan Gear. Joining me today on the IndieCider podcast is Mr. Jonathan Gear, composer and sound designer for Owlboy by D-Pad Studio. Hello, Jonathan. Hey, Ken. How's it going? It's going great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Congratulations on a most successful launch of Owlboy. How thrilled are you? Uh, it's literally like a dream come true because um, we've been working on the game for so long, almost almost a decade uh, really about nine years. It sounds it sounds more impressive to say almost a decade though, but yeah, I, for for the longest time, I was um, 
it was in my head, it was kind of like a, this dream thing that was never actually going to be released. Um, so when we actually put it out this year, November 1st, uh, last month, it was just, it was, it was pretty surreal. And then to see just the reaction to it and the incredibly positive response we've gotten, it's been, it's been amazing. When I think about games that have been in development for as long as Owlboy, I think of Duke Nukem, which didn't get the best reception, whereas Owlboy <laughs> has almost exactly the opposite. Were you surprised that it was so well received? I think all of us were definitely a little surprised at just the overwhelmingly positive response it's gotten. Um, I mean, I think we we all put a lot of love and put our best work into it for so many years, and we were a little worried that the um, the whole like pixel art craze had kind of died down and it wouldn't feel as fresh. Um, coming out so much later um, since we took so long to work on it. But uh, yeah, we were all pretty surprised. I mean, we, I was, I think we were all pretty happy with the game we put out and expected hopefully some people to en- enjoy it. But we certainly didn't expect a lot of like the 10 out of 10 scores, 5 out of 5 scores that we've gotten from um, some of the gaming, gaming websites and things like that. Um, so yeah, it's been, we've all been pretty floored by the, by the response to it. In nine years, there can be a lot of turnover in the development of a game. But if I'm reading the website correctly, it sounds like you were essentially one of the founding members of this game. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that is correct. Um, I started working on the game back bef- back when I was just starting to kind of decide. I, I decided one year, I think back in 2006, I decided. I was like, I'm going to really start to try to find some you know, paid composing work and try to gradually turn this into like a career Um, because I wasn't I wasn't doing composing full-time like as a career back then so I was um, I found I think Simon oh sorry there's a little buzz there Um, I found uh, Simon I think it was in the gamedev.com like indie indie development forums Um, and I did a little bit of work on this game called Project Rhapsody um, which is what they were kind of working on at the time. Um, and then they transitioned over into Owlboy, and I started working with them on that um, over the course of the next you know, nine years. Um, so, yeah, I felt really lucky just to have found him and have to have been a part of the project as it kind of <laughs> has developed for, for all this time. So, At what point in the nine years did you finish the soundtrack? Because I can imagine you might have finished it five years ago, and then the game development takes a turn, and you have to go back and start over. What was that like? Yeah, so they were, um, uh, I guess they were going to release it. Like we even made this, I actually created this trailer that they used as like the release trailer back in uh, 2011. 2011 was actually the first time I met them all in person at the GDC in San Francisco. Um, And they were showing off game there and they were planning to release it by the end of that year. But even then, like it sounded crazy to me. I was just, I was like, how in the world are we going to release this game at the end of the year? It just seemed like, uh, like unrealistic to me even then. And then they got a bunch of feedback and decided to just overhaul so many different things and um, almost became like an entirely new game. Hence the, you know, five years later from 2011. Um, but um, yeah, so I didn't, I didn't really feel like the soundtrack was, you know, finished that year because uh, I, I, I never really believed that we were actually going to release it in 2011. Um, and I, I feel I still felt like I had like a lot of work left to do on the soundtrack. Um, and it's been it's been kind of a funny development process just with the music, because I actually they don't actually give me hardly any direction with the music. Um, I don't think they've ever given me like a single 
um, like reference as far as like we want it to sound like this or this, um, which is great. I actually love that. I feel like I've had like a ton of like freedom with the music. Um, but yeah, so I, I've kind of worked on it um, just here and there in bits and pieces, like all through the nine years. And then I was working on it like a lot more, almost full time, the, the few months like leading up to like the release of the game just to fine tune everything and that's when i really did all the recording of the live instruments i created everything um all midi first on my computer and then i would just overdub a single live instruments here and there on um on about i'd say like half of the tracks so um yeah i think i might have gotten a little off topic there but (laughs) <laughs> no, you actually bring up a very important topic, which is the live musicians. Now, for a lot of video games, they don't have the budget for a live orchestra, and they just find it easier to work with a virtual orchestra and synthetic instruments. But for this soundtrack, you hired flute, piccolo, violin, cello, and many more. Why did you decide to go that approach when it's so much more time and labor-intensive, especially for a small indie game? Um... I guess pretty early on, like I had made the decision that I was going to go this more orchestral and kind of film score, very emotional, lush, cinematic kind of sound. I decided to go that route just because it felt right for the game. I know it's even though it's this pixel art, I feel like the music can really support that in a way, you know, beyond doing just like chip tune or 8-bit or 16-bit music. Uh, I mean, I, I do have a little bit of that sound in there, too but overall the score is very orchestral and, and cinematic um and, and i think it fits the the feel the feeling of the game um and so i did compose everything on the computer and i've got you know great like virtual libraries and orchestral sample libraries that that sound really great and i i just added in those live players like i'll have like a whole like orchestral piece and I'll just overdub like a single violinist on like some melody lines. Um, and there are a few exposed parts where you can really, really hear like that, that human touch that the live instruments bring. Like even like on the title track, you can hear that the live oboe on there. And if you compare like the MIDI version to the live version, it's especially you can really hear the difference between like the sampled, you know, woodwind, the sampled oboe instrument and compared to the live player. So it does make a huge difference. And I feel like it just makes it that much more um, emotional. It gives, it gives you the feels. <laughs> <laughs> all the feels. <laughs> yeah, all the feels. <laughs> As you mentioned, the game has a very chiptune aesthetic, which is still very popular among indie studios. And your soundtrack has some chiptune elements, but for the most part, it's more orchestral, which one does not normally associate with pixel art. While I love the art for the game, and I think it works great for this kind of game, did you in any way feel that the choice for a more retro aesthetic restricted your options when approaching the soundtrack? I was very inspired by like Simon's art. I mean, I think it's gorgeous. And they they wrote a whole article about um, what's called this high bit um, art style with the pixel art. I'm kind of kind of pushing it as far as it can go. Uh, and I know he tried not to use any shortcuts. He tried to do really everything by hand, like pixel by pixel. Um, hence, you know, <laughs> some of the, the the length of the development time there. But but yeah, I find it like very expressive and very alive, like all the animation that he's done. Um, um, so to me, it was very inspiring. And I feel, I don't, I don't feel like it was limiting the, you know, emotion of the game and the like expression. So I feel like the music it made sense to me to do this big, like lush 
kind of romantic orchestral score to it because that's kind of what it inspired for me as far as the music goes if it it felt almost wrong to just do a straight up chip tune soundtrack for it because it was just it's just so beautiful to me and you mentioned wanting to do a sort of a cinematic score a film score in a sense how much of that was inspired by your background of majoring in film scoring at berkeley yeah i mean that's kind of um it's kind of my wheelhouse it's what i I'm probably most comfortable with doing these kind of grand orchestral kind of kind of scores, very adventurous kind of stuff. I mean, I've done all sorts of different styles, like working ever since I really started freelance composing full time. And I do like to, to write in all sorts of different styles. But but if I had to pick one that I'm most comfortable in, this would probably be probably be it. Um, yeah. So it was a <clears throat> it was a great fit and it felt super comfortable for me. And um yeah, and I was super excited to to be able to add those live musicians in there and just give it that kind of extra layer of of expressiveness. And yeah, so it's definitely a um, very, very comfortable place for me to, to write from. Interactive media is still very different, though, because the music has to engage the player while simultaneously the player is engaging the game and choosing branching paths and developing the narrative. So how does scoring a game differ from scoring cinema? Um, it, it's... It's a definitely a different kind of challenge, um, and I I always kind of have to constantly um, kind of struggle with like I always you know just as a composer outside of video games I want to write a piece with like a very definite beginning middle and end as a kind of complete idea that's like finished once you listen to it straight through. But yeah, it's different with video games because you, you know, are, a, a lot of the time we're writing this piece that's just going to loop, you know, forever and ever and ever, <laughs> you know, depending on how long a person is, you know, uh, playing in a, in a particular area of the game. So I try to just reconcile that wanting a nice art for the piece, you know, with the fact that, you know, somebody's m- could potentially be just listening to this for like a really long time. Um, yeah. So that's, that's always a challenge. Like, and it's still a challenge. That's like one of the, one of the challenges of, of writing music for games, but, but there's a, there's a, all sorts of different uh, music in the game. There's a lot of different music. Um, there's not a ton of repetition in there. So I think it's um, strikes a good, good balance with that. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge. Oh, I would certainly agree that it, it strikes a great balance of making a game feel like it's as sweeping as cinema, which I love. And I can see how you've taken what you learned in cinema scoring and applied it to games, which have that same capacity for storytelling, if not more so. Your alma mater, though, now also offers a minor in video game scoring, which I presume it didn't have 15 years ago when you were there. Uh, no, no, that is. <laughs> <laughs> I presume that given your passion for games, that's something you probably would have added to your academic schedule if you'd had the opportunity? Uh, yeah, I think I probably would have. Yeah, that sounds really fun. <laughs> would you say that there is something you wish you had learned about game scoring when you were at Berkeley that they weren't teaching back then, that now 15 years of experience say, oh, I wish I'd known this? Um, I'm not sure, honestly. And, um... I'm actually like these days, I'm not even really doing a lot of uh, film scoring either. I do a, actually, I'm doing mostly video game stuff and then um, occasional writing for music libraries, um, you know, which ends up just kind of all over the place in TV and film. But as far as like the video game scoring, um, I don't know, I feel like uh, as far as like t- classes to teach things, I think maybe it could be helpful to um, teach more of the 
like integration, like with the software, like how it's um, used in the game, like different music engines, I think could be helpful, which which I actually don't have much experience in, which is why, why I say that it could be great to have some classes that I would actually maybe even take right now. Because <laughs> I've even with the work I've done on video games, it's mostly just solely been like writing the music and the developers have always covered the implementation. And sometimes I wish, yeah, I had some more experience with the implementation of the music in the game or experience with um, just working with music engines and with the implementation. Um, I think that would definitely be helpful. That being said, I, I do like just solely writing the music and kind of focusing on that. Um, I definitely don't have a problem with that. <laughs> Most people are familiar with game engines, everything from Twine to Unity. I'm not sure I've ever heard the phrase a music engine. Can you explain that a little bit more for me? Um, the one I'm thinking of, I think FMOD is a music engine. Um, there, there's a few different like big ones. Um, for Alboy, it was just um, all hand-coded by the, the team, the music engine. It's basically like just um, all the protocol for how to implement the music into the game. Um, yeah, so there are a few like third-party engines that people license. Um, but I just, I honestly have no experience with them, but it's something I've always wanted to like look into a little more. But um, but yeah, but I do love just solely being a composer. So it's kind of one of those things that I'm like curious about, but because um, it would be sometimes nice, I think, to have more control over how it's implemented into the game. Because that does affect how the music comes across to the player. So it's just another another element of how the music is presented. So so it is important, um, and it's something I would I'm, would like to um, be more knowledgeable knowledgeable about. So you may not have music engines in your portfolio, but you do have a variety of music genres. Your website lists swing, groove, and obviously orchestral. I was heard in Owlboy. Video games and film, those aren't genres, though. They're mediums or media how do you choose which genre goes with which medium? For example, Owlboy, you wanted a sweeping narrative, so you perhaps went to orchestral. That was probably a better fit than swing. But do you feel the need to choose just one genre for a game, or do you mix it up a little bit and introduce a lot of different styles within one game based on whatever the player is doing in that level? Yeah, that's something that really depends just on each individual game and even an alboy like the yeah the definite overarching feel is just this cinematic uh filmic uh, uh lush romantic orchestral kind of sound um but there are a few spots in there where it could branch out a little bit like if you um, know the Buccaneries shop plays a kind of little um, little jazz tune in there and if you go into the houses like in Belly like in Bumbleman's house and Mandolin's house you hear some different styles but uh, but yeah not a whole lot in, in Owlboy as far as wildly varying genres yeah it depends on the game I'm doing a one right now uh, Cook Serve Delicious 2 uh, it's the sequel to a cooking sim that did really well on Steam a couple years ago and uh, I mean, that one's overarchingly jazz, but um, there are uh, I think he's going to have sections with um, food from like various regions, like in the world where the music will kind of be tied to that region and reflect that. And, and then I did one uh, neon chrome by the developer, 10 tons, Finnish developer um, that I've worked with a lot. Um, and that one was very much like sticking to one genre, this kind of 80s retro future steampunk um sci-fi dystopian kind of vibe um lots of 80s since and um so there yeah so 
usually, um, yeah, there's one kind of overarching genre that you, um, that is sometimes very obvious or sometimes you just kind of have to kind of find, find what it's going to be with some experimentation. But, but yeah, I definitely love all the variety of music and the opportunities that are there in video games. Cause really when you look at the whole world of game music, it, I mean, the styles are, you know, all over the map and it's just everything in there. I did one with a uh, 10 tons, um, same developer, neon Chrome King oddball that they actually, they gave me a reference. They were like, can you write some music for this? And they sent me this, uh, YouTube video of Astor Piazzolla piece. I forget the particular piece, but, um, Astor Piazzolla is the Nuevo Tango composer. The funny thing is they had no idea at the time that they sent me this request to write the music that I actually play in a tango quintet, like solely devoted to the music of Astor Piazzolla, which is a pretty, it's a pretty niche thing. <laughs> and the, and they had no idea I even played in this tango band when they sent that request. And so I was like, I think I could probably do this for you guys. <laughs> you were the perfect fit. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Now, there, as you said, there are a lot of genres and legacies in the video game world as far as soundtracks go. Are there any in particular that you really admire or aspire to or are inspired by? Um, gosh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure of any specifically. Um, but I mean, I, I, I grew up like, with all the classics, Zelda, Mario, like all the Nintendo classics. And I love those because they're just... I think they were forced to really just write great melodies um, with the chiptune music. Um, so I think those are great just because I, I am definitely like a melody person and a great melody is a great melody. Um, so a lot, those are, there's lots of classics with, with all the old Nintendo games lately. I actually don't like game as much lately. I love like the, the dark souls games um, and those scores. I remember the first time I booted up um, demon souls and just like watched that little like cinematic intro movie they play before you start the game. And the, the music was just awesome <laughs> uh, so i love the music in those games all those souls games and then bloodborne yeah but there's just there's so much out there it's kind of insane um and yeah like you said like all all over the map stylistically so there's there's a lot lot to take in so if there were a studio game or franchise that you would like to work with what would that be i would like to work with. oh my goodness i would love to work on a like like just dream dream vision like honestly any of the nintendo like big nintendo franchises like zelda mario if they ever brought back like metroid again also that would be that, that would be awesome i loved the the trilogy the the prime trilogy yeah any of the nintendo classic franchises um maybe zelda i think that would probably be a, be a good fit for the whole filmic orchestral kind of thing this a souls game would be would be awesome too i think i could i think i could knock that one out of the park <laughs> Yeah, I would love to see more Souls games. I'd love to see more Metroid games and not these mobile multiplayer games that they're making now. Yeah, right. What a shame. Yeah, I think we're 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 due for a new Metroid game. I'm I'm holding out. <laughs> yeah, we're overdue. Maybe on the Switch. Overdue. Yeah, way overdue, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, here's a personal question. You came to my hometown of Boston for college and then as soon as you were done, you headed right back to Texas. What was so bad about Boston that we couldn't keep you here? I couldn't afford to live in Boston. It's so okay. expensive. <laughs> I mean, I I didn't have some like huge burning desire to stay there, but I I just have all, all my family is in Texas, all my friends are in Texas, and um and yeah, and I and I couldn't afford to live there after after college. I was still like a kind of that's when I was kind of a starving artist, so I was working at Blockbuster and <laughs> I used to work at Blockbuster times. Oh, are you work at Blockbuster? No, no, there is no Blockbuster anymore, but I did in high school. Oh. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I worked there a little bit in college, and yeah. Do you still remember your ID number that you had to punch in every shift? Oh God, no. <laughs> oh, I guess I'm the only one then. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I only worked there for a few, a few months. I didn't. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a long, extended, extended time. Oh, okay. You got in. You got out. Got in and got out. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been back to Boston for PAX East? Uh, I haven't done PAX East. No. Um, we did PAX West, I guess, in uh, Seattle. Uh, with the Alboy team uh, over Labor Day weekend this this past uh, September, did that. I've been out to GDC. Gosh, I think the last time I went to GDC was the 2011 one. Um, and we did a little Fantastic Fest thing in here in Austin, uh, where I got a, a, together a few musicians and we played some Alboy tunes um, for that. Um, but yeah, I'm generally I don't I haven't been to a lot of the um, like uh, gaming conferences and stuff. Yeah, so I haven't done the done the PAX East yet. But now, are you officially considered part of D-Pad Studio, or is the relationship more that of a contractor? It's kind of both. I mean, I think officially, like I am a contractor, but like unofficially, yes, I'm a <laughs> kind of a founding member and part of the studio. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of both. Because if you were a contractor, I was going to say that it seems unusual for the studio to involve you as much as they do in the promotion of the game, having you on site at PAX West, for example. But if you're part of the studio, then of course it makes perfect sense that you would be there with the rest of the gang. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of both. And, um, like since it's such a small team, um, like I really wanted to go, we're about to, we are about to, you know, release the game. And, and I, I mean, I normally don't like, cause they, they've been to a lot more of the conference kind of stuff than I have. Um, and they normally have just more to say about the, the whole development. And, um, but I did want to go to that one since we were releasing the game like the very next month, November and just, and they were giving a panel and yeah. So I wanted to be there for that kind of pre-release moment. So, and how was that event with the booth in the indie mega booth with the panel? Was it well-received? Uh, yeah, it was great. Um, I think it's always, especially for the other guys. Um, I mean, as much as I was like super excited and thrilled and like over the moon to have the game release, I can't imagine how it was for them because for most of my nine years, like work on the game, it's been very kind of on and off and, but they've been pretty much going like, you know, full steam ahead for nine years and, um, and they've done some other work, but it's mostly been Alboy, 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 like all the time for them. So I can imagine you know, how, how it was for them, like after how excited I was. Um, and I think the conferences um, always really give them a, a kind of boost and a lot of encouragement just to see people play the game and to enjoy the game. And it really makes it all all worth it to to see people enjoying the fruits of um, so much labor. And since this game has been so successful, I hope there are going to be many more fruits of this labor. How does Owlboy success define the future of D-Pad Studio? Are we going to see more games in this genre, more games in this franchise? Can you give me any inside uh, tips? Um, I'm pretty sure there's not going to be, you know, immediately like a Owlboy part two <laughs> after this. I think everybody's ready to, to move on to kind of something new and different, but um, and I know during the course of Alvoy, uh, they've all come up with like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different ideas um, for, for other games, other ideas to work on. So I think now, probably like beginning of next year, we'll start to kind of uh, rifle through some of those ideas and kind of start to settle on um, something to work on next. But but yeah, it's it's probably not going to be Alvoy 2 <laughs> or 
or something in, in, you know, in the same world or probably something pretty different. But, um, but yeah, we're definitely going to, uh, yeah, the success of Owlboy even, even so far is definitely going to help us, you know, to continue going and continue, um, yeah, working on some, some new ideas. So, so I'm excited to see, see what we're going to do next. I will say it seems like it might be a missed opportunity if they start working on something new without first porting Owlboy to other systems. Oh, well, we're, we're definitely planning on, on ports. Oh, yes. thank goodness. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I've actually the, uh, yesterday and today I've been actually playing a lot of Owlboy on my, on my Mac. I know everybody in the Owlboy orchestra is going to be very excited to, <laughs> to have it on Mac because none of my friends have PCs. They're like, I want to play. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think the Mac port will be coming pretty soon. Um, and yeah, I think we, we're going to try to get it on as many platforms as possible. I mean, some may take longer than others, but <clears throat> um, but yeah, it'll definitely be 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 ported for sure. Great, because it seems like a good fit not only for Mac, which I have also, but for Nintendo systems, especially handhelds like the 3DS or who knows, maybe even the Switch. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure as much about handhelds right now, but I think most of the consoles for sure. Excellent. And there's one other game I want to ask you about that's coming out, one that I helped back on Kickstarter, which is Heartforth Alicia. Yeah, yeah. You're working on that one too, right? I am, yeah, which I got connected with Alonso Martin, the developer for Heartforth Alicia, um, through one of the one of the guys on the Alboy team, through Adrian. Excellent. Yeah, it looks like a fantastic Metroidvania. I'm really looking forward to it. What's the ETA on that? Is it 2017? Uh, I think now, yeah, we're shooting for 2017. Yeah. So I, I, there's no specific date, so I, I can't tell you any specific date. But yeah, beyond 2017. But and your soundtrack is done. Uh, no, I'm still working on it. I think I've got, um, he gives me like kind of bundles of tracks to work on at a time. I'm finishing up a bundle right now and then I think I've got one more. So probably I'd say maybe 10, 11 more tracks to write for the, and then the whole thing will be complete. And we are going to be putting the live instruments on this one too. Um, I always try to shoot for that when I can, if it's, you know, if it's appropriate to the game. And, um, and he, he was all about that. Um, especially since the Kickstarter did, did much better than, than he expected it would. So, um, yeah, so we're getting near the end ish for the, for the music for that. So, and what genre would you classify your music for that game? Is it as sweeping and orchestral as Owlboy? Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely orchestral. Um, I would say, hmm, it is different though. It's not quite. I don't know how to describe the difference between them. It's it's interesting because um, <laughs> they've been kind of completely opposite in terms of uh, like the relationship, like um, like working with the Alboy team and then working with Alonso. Like they're both like incredible. Like Alonso is doing like all this programming, like all the art. He and he's actually like a very talented musician and knows his stuff when it comes to music like he's been playing piano for 20 years he just knows all these classical composers he can pick out the chord progressions and the music uh when i send him new tracks and um so whereas d-pad studio gives me like zero direction and you know i might get like a little animated gif gif uh to work with and i'm like okay i can, I can work with that um and then alonso he'll give me you know a little um packet um, of information for each bundle of music tracks that I'm working on and, um, a little breakdown for 
every single track, um, kind of describing the area or the characters, and then a few references like MP3s or YouTube videos of music that he thinks would be a good direction to go in. And um, yeah, so it's like kind of polar opposites of of like just the working relationship with the developers. Yeah, so it's just uh, which has been great. It's I like listening to the stuff I've written for it. There's yeah, it definitely has a different sound. It's in that same kind of genre with there's, it's very orchestral and, um, uh, romantic. I think there's maybe a little more like classical influence, um, in in the stuff I've written for part fourth Alicia maybe, but, um, but yeah, definitely similar though. Given how much direction you have working with the heart fourth Alicia soundtrack, as opposed to Owlboy where you had free reign, do you prefer one approach to the other? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, if I had to pick one, I would probably pick just the free reign approach. Um, but it has been really interesting working with Alonzo, and I feel like he's brought out different things in the music um, that I maybe wouldn't have um, necessarily done just on my own if I had been given free reign. So yeah, it's yeah. If I had to pick one, though, it's I think it's kind of nice just to you know have kind of zero input and just kind of find your own way with it um uh but most developers are kind of somewhere 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 in between those two most developers will give me some sort of reference and something that they want it to sound like and give me kind of a general idea um but yeah Alboy was just kind of like here check out the game here's a screenshot or here's a little part and like have fun writing the music <laughs> yeah um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's good to have both experiences. Well, wh- whatever the approach, you did something right with Owlboy, and if Heartforth Alicia is half as good and half as popular, I'm sure it's going to be a hit as well. I hope so, I hope so. Yeah, it's been, it's been fun to work on. I hope we can get it out the door next year. So can you remind our listeners where to find you online? Uh, you can find me at uh, just my name, jonathangear.com, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-G-E-E-R. I've got a page on Bandcamp, if you can just search my name there. Or I think you can just do jonathangear.bandcamp.com. Um, you'll see the Owlboy soundtrack will be the first thing that'll pop up there. And it's all 68 tracks of glory. <laughs> that is a voluminous volume that you've produced. Yeah, once I like started putting it together, I'm like, oh my god, this is a lot of music. <laughs> and that doesn't, even, that doesn't even include all the stuff that didn't get put in the game, which which I think I'm going to release sometime next year as kind of a Owlboy B-Sides, because there's, there's a lot of stuff that was on the cutting room floor, too. So. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to actually... Some, some of that has some of my actually kind of favorite tracks of, of music that, that aren't in the game. So yeah, I'm excited to, to get that out there, too. And Owlboy itself can be found at owlboygame.com. Yes. Great. Well, Jonathan Gear, thank you so much for your time talking about Owlboy. It's a well-deserved success, and I look forward to your next success. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. Thanks for having me. This has been Indie Cider, a GameBits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at IndieCider.net.